Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Betting Pros Podcast, brought to you by BetMGM, where you can get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 when you use the highly original promo code Betting Pros with your first deposit. You're with me to talk NFL Week 13 market movement and power ratings, as well as some Thursday night football, is Jim Saunas at number fire. Jim, we're almost to December. It's uh, kind of hard to believe that the season is progressed this far, but uh, that's the case. And, you know, how's it going for you? It's going okay. Um, I like my numbers are testing pretty well. The selection process has been, I would say, probably flawed. Like, I don't know. It's it's been an odd year, I guess is what I would say. Like, I feel like the process has been good. The results have not been as good. So I don't know, honestly. Like, you're asking how it's gone. My answer is I frankly don't know. I wish I could be more definitive. I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. This is this is interesting. Uh the numbers have been good, but the selection process has seemingly been flawed. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about what goes into your selection process? Because I know some people, like, they'll have the model. They're pretty dogmatic with the model. If they if the model shows value, they bet it. If there's no value based on the model, they don't bet it. Uh, but it seems like you're using the model more as, like, a filtering system or, like, yeah. a starting point. Can you talk about the process a little bit? It's literally that. I use it as a starting point. So I what I do is I will look at every game that meets a certain threshold for a spread perspective and then, you know, consider key numbers and stuff like that. And then also look at every game that checks a box from a, a money line perspective and decide, okay, I'm going to write down these. And what I do is I have a spreadsheet, then I check, do I agree? Yes or no. And I'll go through each game and like, okay, do I think my numbers are undervalued something? Cause like there are a lot of situations where like, I think a certain team may be overvalued by my numbers. So when they show value on that team, I might not agree enough to actually bet that spread. So I'll put down either a one if I agree, zero if I don't. And then if I agree, I'll bet it. If I don't, I won't bet it. Um, and that can change throughout the week. You know, stuff changes. Um, like the Titans Packers Thursday night game. Initially, it was one I didn't agree with because I thought Jeffrey Simmons was going to six. He sat the previous game. Then when he was ruled in Thursday morning, it's like, okay, I actually agree with this now. And then that can change. But so I write down whether I agree or not. And then and then I'll bet it if I actually do agree. So it's a process of do I show value? Do I agree? And if I can check yes on both those flow charts, I'll bet it. So I can actually look back and see how often have I disagreed with a game with my numbers and it's you know it's actually been a winning bet it's been pretty often this year so maybe i should be more liberal about it and just be like yeah you know if it shows value i'll take it i've not done that yet i am checking yes for more boxes recently you know saying okay i agree with this more often uh but it it was an error earlier on this year where i don't think i was putting enough faith in where it was showing value yeah that's interesting so i'm gonna have a question on money line versus spread in a little bit but first i want to dig just a little bit more into the uh the process here of kind of using your your lines uh or your your early projections as a filtering system yeah um why is it that you you have sort of that second step so i i'll just kind of say i'll i'll frame this a little bit more mm. this is the first year where i've you know gone the distance of having power ratings having a model you know taking uh home field advantage here versus there into account and trying to quantify all of these things that previously it was just sort of like, okay, well, there are enough sort of like checked boxes on this side of the ledger. So I like this bet. And uh, so forcing myself to go through that process 
has made me much more kind of reliant on the numbers or yeah. like desirous to bet on the numbers. And the, the there have been some times this year where I've had certain projections and I've thought, okay, I know this is my projection, but I don't really trust it. Yeah. And most of the time, like you, I've sort of like checked a box to sort of see like, okay, I need to circle back to this later and see if there are a certain number of times when I'm going away from my projections, is this something where I'm making a suboptimal decision? And I found that most of the time, at least this year, when I've gone against my numbers or haven't made a bet because I didn't feel strongly enough about it, that would have won. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and so, yeah, can you talk a little bit more about why it is that you kind of have this double process and yeah. maybe don't trust the numbers as much? So a lot of it's due to backtesting. I know the areas where my my model backtests the worst. And okay. typically that's on like bigger spreads. So like this it has sometimes can have trouble capturing how bad some teams are. So like this week, as an example, the one money line where I'm trying to value that I that I don't agree with is the Rams against Seattle. And that's because I feel like it's very possible my numbers can encapsulate how bad this current Rams team is. So I am hesitant to bet that because I think that my numbers may be undervaluing it because it might not fully capture in how bad they are effectively. Like I have a downward adjustment in for Bryce Perkins or John Wolf or whoever it may be. I've got a downward adjustment in for, I'm assuming no Aaron Donald at this point. So I put that as a, I don't agree because I think that my model won't encapsulate how bad they are. But then I look at, you know, movement and like there's already been some money coming in on the rams they were uh three to one on the money line this morning they're now plus 285 so clearly someone else is showing value on the rams and actually taking it i'm not and i i don't think i can like i especially once it's moved it's like okay well now it's no longer as good of a value and i'm still kind of hesitant i don't want to buy in just because the market is saying that the rams are the right side here yeah so it, it really is like trying to figure out where my model is weakest and i think that I thought I had a good grasp on that. Like I have all the numbers so I can check. Okay. You know, typically if a team is, if I've got them at as a five point favorite and they are a three and a half point favorite, how often they cover, I can like look back at that and decide, okay, is this actually worth value and stuff like that? I thought that I had a good grasp on that. And I think that the performance this year of the ones I disagree with is saying, maybe I don't have as firm of a grasp on that as I thought I did. You know, it's interesting. At least you're on the, I would say like, if you are airing, like if the, like back testing scene where you're weaker, at yeah. least it's on an underdog, which like historically would be the sharper side. Right. For me, it's a, I think it's, it's flipped a little bit where uh, like, I've noticed that I'm probably too high on, on the chiefs or like too high on teams that are uh, I would say significantly better yeah. uh, and probably could cover a number if they really needed to, but they don't need to, they just need to win the game. And so, you know, like there's a difference between uh, you know, sort of like projecting EPA and success rate in yards per play into a spread uh and a team action and like a team having the capability of covering the spread versus the team feeling the urgency to cover the spread so i feel like that is one area where i need to make some uh some adjustments in the future and some kind of like manual adjustments now that i've probably been a little bit too high on some teams based on circumstances yeah, I think for, for me, I never really have that problem because I like it's so rare. So I have like I have my numbers up here of the like 130 games where I've seen money line value this year, which just sounds like a lot. And it is a lot. Uh, it's like 10. That's a lot. It's, it's so there have been a lot of games that have shown value yeah. this year. 
100 100 of them have been underdogs so Mm -hmm. it is it's pretty rare for you to show value in a favorite and you know this past weekend is a bit different i did show money uh show value on the rams showed value on miami and dallas the jets denver wolf um but like so like last week is a little bit different but for the most part it is showing value on underdogs i don't typically have to worry about that too much um i'm not laying a lot of big numbers for the most part i if i if there are big numbers i do tend to go to go towards the money line versus the spread. Um, mm-hmm. That's just kind of like a personal preference kind of thing. Um, so I actually haven't had that problem for me. It's more so showing like value on big underdogs. Like there were times the Texans last year were like 10 and a half point dogs and it's like showing value. And I'm like, I really, I don't want to do this. So that was why I had the extra layer of like, okay, do I agree with this? Um, and it hasn't, hasn't gone great so far. So maybe I'm just scarred yeah. by the Texans, I think. Well, at least it's been a little bit of the year of the underdog for you. So that's, uh, I mean, imagine if a whole bunch of uh, favorites were hitting and you were still on on underdogs and, you know, kind of like, quote unquote, like picking the wrong games out of uh, of the system. So at least, uh, you know, in the big picture sense, the macro sense, things are kind of going more your direction. You mentioned there um, the spread versus the money line. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. So I, you know, dug into some numbers, historical numbers, and it's it's made the most sense, at least in terms of like one loss, like profit, you know, units, units one. If you like uh, an underdog and the dog is less than seven, uh, so six and a half to zero or six and a half to 0.5, it historically has been more profitable to bet the money line versus the spread. And I think that makes intuitive sense. But of course, you know, sometimes it's, I don't want to say it's more fun to bet the spread, but you know, like for contests, you know, you talk about the spread, people just generally talk about the spread versus the money line. And so there's always, I think this kind of like, not double talk, but this like translation that happens where you're talking about a team, you say, okay, I like them at plus three, but when you bet them, you're betting them more on the money line, or maybe you're splitting it, some on the money line, some on the spread. But can you talk a little bit more about how you view the money line versus the spread? Yeah, I just want the better value. Um, And so like I have like a money line model. And so I'll run it through the money line model and I can see what kind of edge that I've got in that model. My the win odds based on my model versus the implied win odds at the sports book. And if I've got like a decent edge on the money line, I will take the money line. I want to take the money line more often than not, because the amount of edge I'm going to get on a spread, you know, like my models may say that they're out of their odds of covering around 58% and, you know, 52% or whatever is like break even, uh, assuming minus 110. So you're only going to get, you know, a couple percentage points every now and then I can get a lot bigger than that for a money line. Like this one didn't work out. The, this thought process didn't work out, but last week the uh, lions bills game was a good example where I was showing value in nine and a half, but there was a much larger edge to go at the money line. So I didn't bet the spread at all. I went full money line, obviously that lost. So I should have gone spread there. I would have won my bet had I gone with the spread, but I had a much bigger edge in terms of uh my numbers versus what the market was saying by going at the money line if the if the margin is thinner 
and I can feel good about it, I will go towards the spread. You know, I'm not always betting money lines uh, with underdogs, but um, a lot of times it does wind up being the money line, like the Dolphins uh, in week number 13, whatever week this is. I can't remember anymore. Week 13, uh, I was going to take three and a half because it means that I get a full win on three as opposed to a push. If it were on three, yeah. uh, it wasn't on uh, it means it's a four at most places right now. But, you know, that's a pretty forgiving number to get a push on four to get a win on three that's a forgiving number but the edge was bigger with the money line than it was with the spread so i want to take in the money line um so for me it really does come down to putting faith in my numbers putting faith in where the bigger edge is based on those and taking that route and yeah it's going to be more volatile to bet money lines when yeah. i'm when i tend to bet more underdogs but I'm okay with that. Uh, volatility is okay if it comes with upside, and this does come with upside. So I'm okay with that volatility personally because I, I just want the better edge personally. Yeah, you you mentioned the volatility there, and that's that's right where my mind was going. Where it's uh, I think you ultimately, at least historically, have made more money if you're betting the money line, but there are more peaks and valleys. Yeah, you know, so you just have to be like the psychological state of being a better like some people don't handle losing well. Yeah, you know, like maybe puts them on tilt a little bit. And so you just have to be mentally comfortable, knowing that you're going to be losing more bets than you win yeah and you have to you know, kind of like quote unquote trust the process and i think it's a little bit harder when you're in the middle of losing to trust right. the process there but uh yeah i mean money line betting versus spread i do think it's i do think it's different it takes like a, i think a different kind of mindset and mentality for it yeah it's it is tough um i think that betting baseball kind of ground me into like, okay, I'm going to lose yeah. a lot of bets. Um, like you just kind of accept the fact that like, yeah, I'm going to lose a lot of bets, but, and like, also I, I bet a lot in NASCAR. I, you lose a lot in NASCAR um, and you have <laughs> yeah. stretches where you yeah. lose a lot. Um, especially if you like the, the best market in terms of like edge you're going to get tends to be outrights. Yeah. So it's volatile. You're going to go on streaks where things don't go very well. It can kind of suck. Um, but like, I think that that does translate to NFL for me where I'm like, okay, Lions didn't win plus 330. That's okay. You know, they gave me a good sweat. They played well. I didn't get CLV, but I felt like it was a good bet regardless. So um, I think that betting other sports and bet, you know, except in the fact that I'm going to lose decently often, that has made me pretty comfortable with playing that way. Mm -hmm. So one more question here uh, about your model. Um, so you mentioned having the money line model. And I'm assuming you maybe at that point, you have the money line model and then you convert it into a spread. Whereas I think a lot of people have a spread model and then convert it into a money line. I just kind of want to like circle back. Is that what, is that what you do? So it's the reverse. It is, it is a, it gives me a point differential uh, for each team. And then I can like get turn that point differential into a win model or okay. win odds based yeah. on that so it's based on back testing the model um it, it, that's how it converts there so it does begin with a number a point differential based on home field stuff like that mm -hmm. and then it converts that into win odds based on back testing okay all right so you know let's talk about some of the the power ratings here uh i thought week 12 was really interesting and you know week 13 is going to be uh, incredibly interesting in that we have the return of Deshaun Watson. And, you know, that's obviously a big move up for the Browns in the power ratings. Uh, I've bumped them up a whole four points uh, with the move. And I, honestly, that might be too much. 
uh, with the move from uh, Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson, especially considering that Watson is not that he just hasn't played any this year. He also didn't play any last year. So there could be significant rust, keeping in mind totally new environment for him, new city, new team, uh, new offensive system, all of that. So, you know, there it's not an insignificant assumption that he's four points better than Jacoby Brissett, but that's the assumption that I've made here. So obviously the Browns, a massive move up uh, in the power ratings week over week. And then I would also say here, the, the jets, um, you know, their defense is strong. They had a really good win. I mean, it's against, you know, like a second string, you know, quarterback, whatever. Uh, but you know, they looked functional in a way that they hadn't looked functional for the past couple of months. Uh, and so with Mike White as a functional quarterback, I gave a, a pretty decent bump to the Jets. Not a whole point, but, you know, uh, three quarters of a point for the Jets and the power ratings. Uh, what are the teams that have moved up for you? recently yeah the browns are the obvious one because their offense was very efficient which could be percent which was shocking to me like i had a a pretty low prior on him coming into the year and slow progression of like oh wow this is actually like this is actually happening um so if you have a good infrastructure around uh around deshaun watson that implies that they're probably going to play pretty well so obviously it's the same thing there other one that i thought was noteworthy last week was the patriots because they were bottom five bottom like three offense for me before that vikings game and they played pretty well there despite not having david andrews so i thought that was really encouraging to see that happening because their defense is very good um that's never been a concern they've been a top five defense for the entire year but to see their offense finally show some life i know the vikings aren't like a tremendous defense but they are a very good rush defense um they're decent against the pass so to see mac jones flashing competency i thought that was really encouraging and did shift my view of the patriots a decent amount other one is the panthers because going from like 31st where you're an outlier and how bad you are to being now 29th you know it's not like a huge move in terms of like actual movement but the actual like the rating around them did get a lot better with sam darnold being in there so yeah it's against denver yeah Darnold wasn't like amazing or anything, but like being competent on that team is worth quite a bit. So the ones for me that got the biggest boost would be the the Browns, the Patriots, and the Panthers. It's it's interesting to talk about the Panthers there because this this week with uh, the return of Deshaun Watson, and if you put all of your ratings net to zero, and if you're moving the Browns up four points, that means you have to move some of the other teams down, uh, and so ordinarily based on what we saw out of Sam Darnold, I would have bumped the Panthers up. I just didn't bump them right. down this week as a right. way of kind of a, so it's adjusting. A, it's a net yeah. up then relative to yeah. teams that are not the Browns. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they, yeah, they are intriguing, uh, you know, as a, uh, a DJ Moore investor, <laughs> I, I hope that everything continues to work out with, uh, with Sam Darnold there. And uh, I mean, their quarterback situation, their coaching situation, it, it's a, it feels like long-term a, a big mess, but maybe uh, they, they can get something going for the, the rest of the season here. Um, a team that moved down pretty significant for me, the, uh, the bears, and it's not just the Justin Fields situation, although that's that's certainly a part of it. And I think there's a chance that he misses misses this week. But 
you know, there are a number of guys who suffered injuries in this last game. Uh, so obviously Darnell Mooney out for the year, Riley reef, right tackle. Uh, he's suffered a shoulder injury. Eddie Jackson left the game with a foot injury. Like not all of these guys are going to be healthy for this week. And even if some of them do return, it's just like this team, they are incentivized to lose and they don't have many good players at this point. So they are a team uh, that I moved pretty significantly down the ratings. Uh, I wonder if you have any thoughts on them. And then I also know that you moved the, uh, the Buccaneers down your rankings quite a bit. Yeah. The bears, it was the injuries and like Mike white can be competent. Mike white can be fun. Mike white should not be shredding you in the rain. Uh, with like <laughs> yeah. 10 mile per hour wins or so that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, I know that like Garrett Wilson's a very good football player and stuff like that, but like that shouldn't happen. So I think moving the bears down, uh, justifiable. I already had, like, they were already, I think they're now 31st. Like they were already kind of low. So it's hard to, for me to move them much more down and they kind of get manually adjusted down because of the performance they gave up. Uh, but that was, that was real bad. As far as the bucks go, I thought that was that Sunday they were playing in 12 mile per hour wins. And that's very noteworthy. That does matter quite a bit, but like, I thought that was their worst showing of the year, at least on offense. And it, I don't know if that's like a hot take, but it, I thought it was um, because what they've been able to do this year for the most part, they have still been an efficient team on early down specifically through the air. Like their early down passing efficiency for the whole year is pretty good. Still. They've struggled on late downs. They've been hideous running the ball. Those two things are, you know, that that's, that's an issue for sure. But late downs can sometimes kind of be fluky, but the early down passing efficiency was still there. It was not there on Sunday. They were at uh 0.14 EPA per dropback below expectation in that game against Cleveland on early downs. That was their worst showing since week three, uh, tied week three, and it was their second worst showing of the year. Their worst one was against New Orleans in week two. So just a really bad showing. I was kind of hoping they might show some progress. They had been, I thought, okay at times before their bye. They come out of the bye really not looking good. Now Tristan Wirfs yeah. is banged up. I think you had to bump them down for that as well. So I thought that was arguably their worst showing of the entire year on Sunday. Yeah, Tampa Bay is one of those teams where um, I I think I'm just too high on them. And some of it is the coaching, right? Like the decision-making uh, that they have both, you know, on the offensive side of the ball in terms of, okay, we're going to run on first down. <laughs> you know, like we're going to do suboptimal things in terms of how we sequence our plays and then also decision-making in terms of when you're going for it on fourth down, when you're calling timeouts, things like that. Uh, and I don't think I am downgrading the Buccaneers enough based on those factors because that that's like that stuff is sort of different uh, than looking at, epa or success rate you know like that's something that sometimes isn't caught up in the numbers and it's hard to account for those things sometimes in models uh but i i think uh yeah i i can see it the buccaneers like uh increasingly it seems like this is not not the year for them and somehow just because of the division that they are in yeah they're going to end up making the playoffs and you know who knows if things come together right sure yeah maybe they maybe they win a game in the playoffs but uh right like i'm downgrading them but that doesn't mean i'm like writing them off like yeah. it's still i i grew up a jets fan i know what can happen if you write off tom brady i'm not going to do that so i'm downgrading them but i'm not writing them off yeah so i have a, a process where i have my kind of like uh situation or like weak agnostic um 
power ratings. And then on top of that, I layer in like short-term injury discounts. Yeah. Uh, and so I still have the Buccaneers at, man, this just feels too high, but I still have them at number 10 in my rankings as uh, 1.5 points better than an average team on a neutral field. That just, that feels a little bit too high to me. They are exactly 10th for me in my, this is one just for, this is weird for week 13. So it's accounting for worse, worse being out. Uh Uh, They are, I have two separate models. Um, I got annoyed with how high the charges were in one of mine. So I actually created (laughs) another model just to make them look worse because they're so annoying. Um, So the model I trust more, which is the anti-chargers one has the bucks in 10th. The traditional one that I have back testing on, I, you know, I guess I kind of like, I know, I have more data on that one has Tampa Bay 12th. So 10th or 12th, depending on the model after a bump down for worse, their defense is a big part of that because they're still very good there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's kind of hard to put them lower than that just because there are a lot of bad teams. I think that's the main issue. Yeah. I mean, I would be fine if I had, I guess in theory, I don't know, Minnesota, maybe ahead of Tampa Bay, Tennessee, maybe ahead of Tampa Bay. I think you could, you can make the argument there and I don't, I don't have them there yet, but you know, looking at the teams, uh, that I have ahead of Tampa Bay, I'm pretty comfortable with them. And at the yeah. top, you know, you have the Chiefs, you have the Bills, and you know, maybe people have that flipped, but I have the Chiefs barely ahead of the Bills. Uh, and then there's a tier break for me. And I'd like to get your thoughts on some of these teams, like after those top two, because you'll have this triumvirate of teams at the top of the NFC uh, and a lot of power ratings the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Eagles, those are teams three through five for me, pretty much grouped together. And then after them, I have Cincinnati and Miami. And then Baltimore is not all that far behind uh, Cincinnati and Miami. But how do you think about those those two different groups of teams, the top of the NFC, and then I'd say like the second class of the AFC? So there is one team I'm lower on, uh, which is the Eagles. And I don't agree necessarily with my numbers on this one because I like watching Jalen Hurts. I think that's it. They're a fun team to watch. So I feel weird being lower on them. But if you adjust to the teams they played, their early down passing efficiency is actually below average, which was surprising to me. Um, And that's not that's without a big adjustment down for Dallas Goddard. Like it's a little bit in there, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not a huge adjustment in there. So they're actually seventh for me based on just my numbers. The team I'm higher on is the Ravens. So you alluded to them. And it's very frustrating because they keep playing in wind. I haven't gotten to see, get like a good read on them yet. They have yeah. all this stupid stuff like Ronnie Stanley missing games. I have a, a downward adjustment in there for Rashad Bateman being out. And they're still freaking fifth. And it drives me nuts. Like I still bet the Jags this past week, you know, that like it still allowed me to do that. But like they're still fifth. And it's like, I want to get them out of there, but I can't make them any lower because they're insanely good in early downs. And that's, the, that's a big part of the model mm-hmm. is early down efficiency. Their early down rushing efficiency is second best behind Philadelphia. Early down passing efficiency is up there. Um, late down success rate is a bit lower. That's more middle of the pack. And the defense has been, it's been good, but not great by any means. So I want to get them lower than fifth, but like, I don't know, Cincinnati sixth. I, I probably would hand rank Cincinnati above Baltimore if I were doing it by hand versus doing it by a model. Miami's below them. I'd probably go Baltimore over Miami if they were to play again because I have a lot more faith in Baltimore's defense than Miami's despite the way that game went. 
I'd probably hand rank Philadelphia above them as well. So if I were hand ranking it, I'd probably put Baltimore lower, but I just like, I physically can't get them any lower, which is very, very annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have Miami just a quarter of a point better mm-hmm. than Baltimore. I am curious. And I, I do have like a slight tier between Dallas and San Francisco, who I have tied basically at number three and four and Philadelphia at number five. I have uh, Dallas and San Francisco as three quarters of a point better than Philadelphia. Uh, It sounds like the Cowboys and the 49ers are the top two teams for you in the NFC. How do you stack them? How how do you compare them? Dallas is one. I feel pretty good about that. Like that defense is sick. Um, They're awesome. They've been awesome all year. I know they're struggling against the rush a little bit, which could be troublesome specifically against either Philly or San Francisco, but like in a vacuum, like they're um, I think they're the best team in the NFC because Dak has been just flamethrowing since he came back. He's had some bad picks, but like we can kind of have like negative highlight bias in our minds where we remember that awful pick against Green Bay. That's annoying. Couple bad picks again on Thanksgiving, but like the overall body of work, even including the picks, has been unfreaking real. So I'll put Dallas up there, and I, I do agree with that one pretty confidently. Putting Dallas first, San Francisco. They're a hard one for me to like fully grasp because when I look at their numbers post McCaffrey trade, like they're really good, and it's like, do I actually think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a you know, 48% adjusted success rate in late downs. It's kind of like that again, negative highlight bias. This time I'm not accounting for it enough. Like maybe I'm like using my own bias here. I'm like, I don't know if I actually want to like follow that too much. So San Francisco could be higher than there are. They're fourth me, but I have the same order, except I have the bills and chiefs flipped. And I kind of disagree with that one too. Um, and then Dallas and then San Francisco, I agree with that ranking. Since San Francisco could be higher if I were to put you know, just like fully trust their split with with McCaffrey. I don't trust it yet because I don't trust Garoppolo. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe that's just like, again, negative highlight bias on my part. Yeah, the the Garoppolo thing, you know, uh, and, and Kevin Cole, I think is, you know, a PFF, like a Garoppolo apologist. And I yeah. feel like I'm closer to that than not, but I feel dirty about it. It's not like yeah. I think he's he's great, but, you know, he's number four in composite EPA and completion percentage over expectation since 2017, you know, like since joining the 49ers, like that's, that's pretty good. And the guys like he's up there with it's, it's Mahomes and it's Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson. And he's just ahead of Joe Burrow. Like it's, you know, like it's a legit list. And, and that's not to say that he is in the caliber of those quarterbacks, It's just to say that within the confines of the Shanahan system and what he's asked to do in it on a per play basis, he has been historically efficient. Right. Like, you know, that's the way of contextualizing it. But it's not, but you do have to acknowledge the limitations that he has. Right. And I'm projecting efficiency. So that's all I care about is what he's done. It's like, I should, I should have more faith in it. And they are fourth for me. It's just like, I just get, I just get weird vibes and like, ah, can I actually do this? And like, I should, um, and it, it, they are up there, but it's like, I can't, I can't go as aggressive and manually adjusting them as maybe I should, because like, there's like that, you know, he could, he could implode at any moment. Cause I've seen yeah. it a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that like, if you're, you're talking about the 2017 stat that was before they had like elite personnel too. So it's not yeah. just the elite personnel propping up. That's a big part of the sample, but I, I think it's important to note that like he was efficient before all this happened too. 
yeah, it's a, yeah, good observation there. This is, you know, some of this is pre-Debo, pre-Kittle, pre-Iuk. Yeah. Like Marquise uh, Goodwin, I believe, yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a painful group of wide receivers <laughs> he had to work with for a little bit. All right, let's, let's talk about some of these Week 13 lines. And, you know, we're not going to hit on all of them here, but, it, you know, I think it's always an interesting exercise to look at some of these lines, see where they were, in the off-season market, uh, even the look-ahead market uh, last Thursday, and see you know where we've uh, seen movement here, and you know one of the games I want to touch on here, I, I can't help but talk about this just because Denver has been so so disappointing uh, in comparison to their preseason expectations. But you know Baltimore hosting Denver in the off-season market, this number was around uh, you know, Baltimore favored by one one and a half points. In the look-ahead market last Thursday, it was six and a half. And now I'm looking at the uh, the odds page here that we have at Betting Pros, and this number is eight at BetMGM. By the way, BetMGM, where you can get the risk-free bet of up to $1,000 with the highly original promo code Betting Pros with your first deposit. This number is now eight. And so it has moved significantly. And I mean, I got to be honest, I don't know if it's moved far enough given how bad Denver is the thing is they do have that defense one of the best defenses in the league but their offense if it's not the worst offense in the league it's certainly bottom three uh and I think there's room for it to get worse (laughs) I mean there's always room for it to get better in theory but there's also room for it to get worse uh so what do you make of this line movement that we've seen so far with this number getting all the way to eight justified I think that that's the word that I would use because like, you know, we're, we're getting reaction to what we saw this past week and obviously Baltimore didn't play great, but like Denver was the openest favorites against Carolina that number shortened. I think they closed at minus minus one sixteen on the money line against, uh, against Carolina. And then they lost in pretty spectacular fashion. So if we don't assume that Jerry Judy is back this week, like how are they moving the ball? against a a Baltimore defense that I think is pretty good. So I would say that it's justified where it's currently at right now. With that said, like my numbers do say that like it's it should be a bit shorter than this. Uh, my um, one model has a 6.12. The other one has uh, Denver uh, being underdogs by a little bit less, uh, a little bit more than that. So it says it's probably a little bit hefty. But with that said, I'm not betting it. I think that it's justified bad vibes um i've i bet too much on the cardinals earlier on this year and a couple of times in the broncos i can't handle any more bad vibes i bet on the jets against uh the patriots that punt return touchdown so bad vibes uh, i can't i can't do it anymore yeah you asked the question uh how do they move the ball uh latavius murray you know the, like the the 40 year old body of latavius murray revenge game hashtag revenge game exactly yeah. revenge game against against the ravens that's that's how they look to move the ball uh you, you mentioned the jets and you know we talked about them earlier as a, a team that i've moved up the rankings here you know if you uh look at this game against minnesota five and a half was the line uh in the the offseason look ahead market it was three and a half uh, and then uh, three, three and a half on the look ahead last Thursday. Four, it's it's moved around a little bit here. I mean, this could get closer to three here. Uh, talk to me about the the Jets here, and uh, I think you're on the money line. I am. So I took the Jets uh, when they were plus one forty. It's plus one thirty four now. The reason I did so, and it's it's you mentioned bumping them up for uh, Mike White. I didn't. Um, because he's still like, you know, a guy who was a third string coming in the year. But my numbers are so high in the Jets to begin with. 
and like it, it didn't i didn't need to bump them to be on them at this number mm-hmm. so i have again two separate models one of them um I don't know. One of them hasn't favored in this game. I don't know if I agree with that. That might be a little bit ambitious. Uh, but the other one has the Vikings by 1.23 points, you know, uh, with the uh, with the money line being plus 134. I'm okay buying into the Jets based on what that model is saying and ignoring the more aggressive model. Well, knowing the more aggressive model is like, yeah, actually, there's even more value here. So I bet the Jets based on the model that's more conservative with them, knowing that the more aggressive one said that is even better value. Uh, Cause again, like their early down efficiency, like once you adjust for opponent actually wasn't that bad when Zach Wilson got benched. I know it's like weird to say, and like at the eye test, it's like, oh, I don't know about that. Um, but like, they just imploded on late downs and I try to, you know, account for the, the flukiness, the spikes that can come with that kind of thing. And so like they were actually pretty good to begin with. So I didn't bump them up. They were already values for me. So I did take the money line plus 134. Um, I will see if I regret putting money on Mike White to win a football game against a team that's, you know, whatever, 10 and uh, nine and two or whatever they, they are. But uh, I think that's the right way to go here. Yeah. So I'm going to see if I can remember this correctly. And I'm going to say the way I am talking about this, it's probably a little bit incorrect, but the Patriots, I believed against the Jets, two games against the Jets this year, they closed as three point favorites in both games, won both games, covered both games. And then last week, Thanksgiving against the against uh the Vikings, they were what was the number? Was that uh was that two and a half two and a half? Closed, I believe at. yeah, it closed at two and a half. And so the number of three right now, I mean, I know it's on the key number, but not all that far from the two and a half uh, that we saw last week. It feels a little bit short to me. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. Um, I think that part of it, though, is I thought that New England was overvalued in both those games. Uh, Obviously, the Jets didn't cover in either so maybe i was wrong in that um but i did think the patriots were a bit overvalued in that game uh those in both those games and i actually bet uh the jets in both those didn't go well you know here we are and i'm betting the jets again so maybe it won't go well again um but i thought that they were overvalued in both those and so as a result i guess i didn't care too much about the transitive property of those uh the jets closed at plus 134 in the money line for the week eight game they are plus 154 at home in week 11 uh so yeah they actually got worse despite being at home for the second one which is not ideal um but yeah i think that like i think that those numbers even though they didn't they didn't work and the one emphatically didn't work uh the first game i still feel like the patriots might have been a bit overvalued in those two games yeah, that's possible. And I mean, again, the addition of of Mike White, like, yeah, maybe. you know, it's, you know, it's a different team. In theory, yeah. it's it's a different hopefully. team. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. All right. One, one game I, I have to look at uh, is this this Rams game. I mean, my my goodness, this number was 10 in the opposite direction. The Rams at home in the offseason market were favored by 10 points uh, in the look ahead market. This was three. Uh, it was four and a half uh, when the early lines were released on Sunday. And uh, as of recording, it has gone all the way up to eight. 
I mean, my my goodness. Uh, by the way, I, I bet this early on Monday at minus four and a half, and I logged it in the Betting Pros app, which now gives me the opportunity to remind you that in the Betting Pros app, you can sync up with sports books. You can get free betting advice and picks. You can track different experts, track line movement, track your own bets, and you can get sports betting alerts. And we monitor all the major sports books so you can see which book is offering the best line on a bet at any given moment. So download the app today in the Apple or Google Play Store. I mean, the Rams, what what do you make of the descent into hell that we have seen for this organization? It's been exactly that. And now you take Aaron Donald out. It's like, okay, if I assume he misses this week with that with that ankle injury, like how much is that? How much is that worth? Probably a lot, honestly. Like, you know, it's not worth the three points it's moved uh, since Monday, but you're kind of just stacking stuff. And I think the idea of cluster injuries is is key because yeah. It, there's no Matthew Stafford, potentially no John Wolford again. There's no Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, if that matters. I don't know. The entire offensive line is gone. So you kind of get like this like cascade effect of this this avalanche effect of like, okay, you take out the most every most impactful piece except for Jalen Ramsey. How do you fully account for that? And that's why I haven't taken that despite my numbers being closer to where this the look ahead was, or the four and a half number was. I, I just I like I just I don't know. I feel like it's more likely that I am undervaluing the the value of those guys than I'm overvaluing it. So that's why I'm skewing towards despite showing value, not betting it because I disagree. I feel like I'm probably under accounting for this stuff. And it is a manual adjustment. So I could adjust more, but it's like I don't know if I can actually project them to be worse uh passing physically uh so i'm showing value on the the ram side i refuse to bet it i will not bet it unless it gets to something crazy you know it's come back seven and a half so that impl- that tells me we're probably going to be steading out around there but it's just like when you cluster so many impactful injuries together it's hard to grasp how much value that may be worth yeah, I mean, when your your defense is the best part of your team because your offense is just absolutely dead and your defense is anchored, you know, by two guys in a stars and scrubs approach and yeah. one of your stars is gone. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it's not very good. Uh, all right. One uh, one game that I know you're looking on and you're betting on uh, the Chargers money line. Going against the Raiders. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Raiders, going to do another plug here. We we are giving away a free signed Josh Jacobs Raiders jersey from Pristine Auction. Josh Jacobs, absolute monster. Uh, regret of my uh, my fantasy uh, preseason and being like, hey, Josh Jacobs, not so sure about that guy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you want a chance to win this free signed Josh Jacobs jersey, subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now and comment below on the video. We will announce a winner on the channel in a future episode. So turn on your notifications. The money line here for you, the Chargers, this was 135, minus 135 is moved to minus 126. Talk to me about what you were seeing here with the Chargers against the Raiders. Yeah, so I'm not betting this one yet. I'm okay. more marking it as one to monitor because okay. the vibes around the, the Raiders are very good. And you can sometimes, like, you shouldn't use vibes to bet, but you can use vibes to try to predict where a market will go. So this has already gone from minus 135 for the Chargers now to minus 126. It's held steady at minus 126 for a while now. And maybe that means that it sticks there and doesn't move. If it were to move more, I could see myself buying into the charts. And again, I specifically built the model to get myself to stop betting this <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid team. So like, I don't want to bet them and I'm trying not to. 
But if it were to move more, I could see there being value here. My my the model I built to downgrade this stupid team has in favor by 1.55. Now that's not going to get me to show value at minus 126. But if that minus 126 were to come down, I could have some interest there. So I want to keep tabs on that one. We haven't seen a ton of big moves this year, but we've seen some moves like uh, the Washington-Chicago Thursday night game. We saw a pretty big move there. Uh, the Tom, There was a game where Tom Brady was like an underdog, and then eventually wow, they closed his favorites there. There have been some games yeah. this year where we've seen significant moves around zero. And I wouldn't be shocked if this is one just because, oh, people talk themselves into Josh Jacobs against the Chargers, justifiably so. That's actually a legit concern. I could see this one moving to where the Raiders, maybe they go from plus one away to minus one away. It's minus one away, both sides, something like that. Um, if that gets there, I'll probably buy into the Chargers. I'm not there now, but I do think that it's worth monitoring to see if it gets there, given the sentiment and given the way things have moved recently. All right. Uh, one, one more game here to talk about <clears throat> Thursday night football. We have the Bills on the road at the Patriots, uh, the Bills looking at it now. Uh, this number was five and a half. It has moved down to four and a half. Uh, and let me see, was uh, in the look ahead market, it was 45 and a half where I, I took the under there because that just, you know, on its face, that just fell too high. And it has moved down to 43 and a half. Now, I don't know if you have any opinions on these two teams uh you know kind of big picture in general uh and and what we might see out of this divisional matchup but uh how are you viewing this game yeah so i'm probably gonna wind up taking the bills eventually i'm not yet because we saw it move to four and a half it's minus 115 on four and a half right now if it stays minus 115 implying that we're not going to get it at uh you know get it down to minus 110 or something like that i'll probably wind up taking that i have not yet i have the bills favored by six and a half in this game because Again, like I said, they are still tops in my power rankings because the defense is very good. And that kind of negates the key advantage that New England has typically is that their defense is so good. Obviously, the Bills defense has not been as good recently because of the injuries they've had and stuff like that. But they are getting some guys back like Poyer's back and stuff like that. So they're slowly getting a little bit healthier. This offense is much better uh, than New England. So I'm probably going to get to four and a half. I just want to see if we can get it at not not minus 115. So I want to keep an eye on that market. I'm going to bet the bills, I'm pretty sure at some point, I just haven't gotten there yet because I want to see if the market continues to go in the Patriots' favor. I think the bills are undervalued here and I probably will get there. Just want to see if I can get a better number before I actually do dive in. Yeah, to your point about this team getting healthier, a number of players who sat out the Thanksgiving game. Mitch Morris Center was one too. He was full on Monday. And that yeah. was part of the reason why I was on the Lions was his likely being out and eventually being out. Um, I think that, that that's a pretty big because yeah. like left tackle's important. Center is like a force multiplier for the entire offensive line. So having him at, out on a below average offensive line that did matter a lot to me is that getting him back matters a lot too yeah absolutely so uh as you mentioned back-to-back -back full practices for a number of guys who are out on thanksgiving including center mitch morse but then also uh off-ball linebacker tremaine edmonds and then two edge rushers aj epinesa and uh, greg rousseau both of those guys uh out before 
looks like almost certain that they will be returning this game. I, one thing I will want to keep an eye on is Deion Dawkins, uh, who has missed back-to-back practices with an ankle injury. That wasn't one that I was like really like cognizant of entering the week. Um, I'm imagining he's going to be fine. Like I haven't really seen anything saying like there's a real chance he's going to miss this game, but he's someone I'm going to want to keep an eye on. Yeah, he did leave early on Thanksgiving. Um, okay. I'm yeah. not sure... Like you can sometimes see guys sit and be okay. And especially like an ankle thing, it hasn't seemed like it's been too bad. So I'm also assuming that he does wind up playing, um, but he didn't come back in that game. So I wouldn't be shocked if he sat um, and that would be a downgrade for them. Maybe that keeps me off of taking the four and a half, but I'm kind of on your, your side there. I'm assuming he does still wind up playing. Yeah. So I have this in terms of the projections, I have this at uh, 4.75. So, you know, in theory, um, you know, I'm basically just kind of right where, yeah. right where the market is not seeing any value on, on the side there. And, uh, and for the total, let me see, the number is now 43 and a half. I have it projected at 42.7. So yeah, maybe a little bit of value on the under here, but this is probably a game, uh, I think more for watching than, uh, necessarily <laughs> for betting at, at this point, uh, in the market cycle. Uh, all right, Jim, awesome to have you on the show. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, tell the people where to follow you on social and where to find your work. Yeah, so we have a daily betting show called Covering the Spread, um, talking a lot of football there, talking World Cup, talking college football for the conference championships. That goes up every weekday. Uh, just search for Covering the Spread wherever you get your podcasts. Our DFS shows are under the Number Fire Daily Fantasy Podcast feed, and then all my other work is up at Number Fire, and I'm on Twitter at Jim Sonis. All right. So Jim, you talked about uh, college football, looking at the conference championships. I don't know if you can see, I'll scooch down a little bit right there. I've got the, uh, TCU, the horse, love it. <laughs> horse frog bobblehead. Uh, talk to me about TCU. Do, do, they, do they cover? It's not a question of if they win because they're winning this game. <laughs> do they cover this game? Uh, so I don't have my own college football number. I ask questions. I play point guard on the college football uh-huh. one because I don't yeah. have my own numbers. Um, I, I don't root for a good college team, so I, I've never <laughs> built numbers there. Um, I'm going to say sure, because it seems like TCU has always been under that. Like we've always been saying, okay, like, you know, Baylor's going to topple them. And they covered, Baylor covered, so that's that's something for sure. But then, like, they kicked the heck out of Iowa State last night, so, yeah. or last week. So I'll say they cover, uh, just, just for funsies. I, I like a purple team, too, so got to ride at the purple. That is the most in-depth analysis I can give in college football. Again, I'm just, I ask questions on that one, unfortunately. What is, uh, what's your purple team? Uh, Northwestern, uh, okay. 1-11 yeah. go Cats. You know, they. I was in Ireland for their win, so I got to, you know, after that win, I was like, okay, cool. They can lose every other game this year. I'll be happy. I didn't think they would actually test that theory, and they did. Yeah. But it was still, you know, I just got to not not invest in them this year, which is very helpful. At least you got that one that exactly. one win. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, Jim, awesome. Thanks for being on the show. That is Jim Saunas. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt Effie Oracle. Check out Betting Pros and Fantasy Pros for all of my work. Uh, best bets, player props, fantasy favorites, player projections and rankings, and more. That's going to do it for this week 13 market movement and power ratings edition of the betting pros pod if you like the show please rate and review on your favorite podcast app thanks for tuning in good luck and see you next episode